Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Tax Notes Today International. This week, protocol progress. After nearly a decade, the U.S. Senate is making progress on ratifying updates to the tax treaty network. Here to talk to us about why this has taken so long and why things have changed now are Tax Notes Today reporters Kristen Perillo and Jad Shamsuddin. Kristen, Jad, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Kristen, why don't we start off with a bit of background on what these tax treaties actually do? Well, the main point of having a tax treaty is to reduce double taxation for people and companies that reside in one country and invest or do business in another country. In a typical bilateral tax treaty, the two countries decide who has taxing rights over the income that's generated in their country. They generally follow either the OECD model treaty, which is what's used by the so-called rich countries, or they follow the UN model, which gives more taxing rights to developing countries. Both versions have provisions covering how various categories of income will be taxed, who qualifies for treaty benefits, how the tax authority should handle any disputes, and how they can exchange information needed to enforce their own tax laws. All right. So turning back to the U.S. itself, when's the last time a treaty or an update to a treaty was ratified? The last time was July 2010. It was New Zealand and Malta. So why has it been so long? Well, it's been a strange situation. I mean, usually there isn't much controversy around ratifying tax treaties, but Senator Rand Paul put a hold on them at the end of 2011, which is the year that he joined the Senate. He says he doesn't like the information exchange provisions that are included in all U.S. and basically every tax treaty that anyone negotiates. He thinks the reasonably foreseeable standard for sharing taxpayer information with the treaty partner is too vague and raises privacy and due process concerns. So how is it that one senator is preventing all of these treaties from making progress? Well, normally the Senate approves tax treaties by unanimous consent, but Senator Paul has said he would object to that process if he didn't get floor time to air his concerns over the information exchange provisions. And because floor time is, as everyone knows, a precious commodity, the Senate leadership until now just didn't prioritize it. So these treaties have basically been in limbo for the last eight years. Shad, what got the process moving this time? Well, it emerged uh, at the beginning of the year that uh, Rand Paul was having discussions with the Treasury to see if they can find a solution to the problem. How did those discussions go? Uh, Not well. Uh, I caught up with Senator Paul, and he told me that negotiations broke down with Treasury. And at that point, I figured that treaties would be, again, going nowhere. But I spoke with a few sources afterwards, and they told me that the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, was finally ready to put them on the floor and, and ratify them. If there were uh, seven treaties and protocols put on hold, how come only four made it to the floor? Well, Treasury told lawmakers that some issues with one of the new international tax provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in the treaties with Poland, Hungary, and Chile. The treaties with Poland and Hungary were new ones meant to replace older treaties signed with those two countries in the 70s, and the treaty with Chile was a brand new one. Treasury's problems caused a little backlash from Senator Bob Menendez, who's the ranking member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, the committee in charge of overseeing the treaties. He was annoyed at the fact that Treasury didn't properly communicate with him the concerns. All right. So we have these four protocols with Switzerland, Luxembourg, Spain, and Japan that were finally approved on July 16th and 17th. Before they got there, though, they had to go through the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. How did they do there? 
They passed by voice vote in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. There was concern because Senator Rand Paul had introduced amendments that would have sunk the treaties. And a day before they were to take up the issue, Senator Bob Menendez had signaled some support for the amendments because he was annoyed at the way Treasury went about dealing with him as the ranking member. The biggest concern from people familiar with the matter was the fact that Menendez, who's the ranking member, would get a lot of Democrats to also support the amendment from Paul and thereby sink the treaties. I spoke with some of the aides and they told me that it would be only him and even if he got Democrats on board, it was unlikely that they would get enough to block the treaties. What was this amendment that Rand Paul was proposing? It was an amendment dealing with the privacy concerns for U.S. citizens living abroad, something he's been going on about for the past eight years. Was Menendez able to get other Democrats to vote for it? Just one, Tom Udall from New Mexico. The amendment ended up failing 17 to 5. Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham end up voting with Paul on the amendment. So the treaties were then sent to the Senate. Did they have bipartisan support? Yes, there was little opposition to the treaties on the floor. Paul spoke in favor of his amendment on the Senate floor, but again, his efforts failed. He criticized McConnell as well, who didn't take the criticism from his fellow Kentucky senator too well. He immediately hit back and implied that Paul had tested his patience. So that leaves just these three treaties that haven't been moved on yet. Are we expecting to see something soon? Yes, I've been told from both the chair, Rich, and the ranking member, Menendez, that they should get done by the end of the year. I've had similar assurances from lobbyists that have dealt with the matter. All right. Well, as always, is an issue that we're going to have to keep track of as we see more treaties get approved and hopefully see more treaties get negotiated so we can talk about a lot more. Kristen, Jed, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And now, coming attractions. Each week, we preview commentary that will be appearing in the next issue of the Tax Notes magazines. I'm joined by Executive Editor for Commentary, Jasper Smith. Jasper, what will you have for us? In Tax Notes Federal, Ross Riskin describes how different business entity structures can affect the tax and financial planning decisions of small business owners in light of the TCJA. Justin Miller and Martin Benn argue that the tax incentives for creating non-grantor trusts have increased since passage of the TCJA and explore whether a trust will be treated as a non-grantor trust if the assets can be distributed back to the grantor. In Tax Note State, Robert Tannenwald discusses studies by the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policies examining the regressivity of state and local taxes. Paul Bogdansky, David Dorner, and Jeremy Gove discussed two revenue bills recently passed by the Illinois General Assembly that ease the compliance burden on remote retailers, but raise practical concerns and likely constitutional issues. And in Tax Notes International, Allison Christians considers the late economist Peggy Musgrave and her influence on modern-day tax and public finance policy, especially regarding efforts to tax the digital economy. Also, Adrian Sawyer discusses New Zealand's proposed digital services tax. You can read all that and a lot more in the August 12th editions of Tax Notes Federal, State, and International. That's it for this week. You can follow me online at taxstew, that's S-T-E-W. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com backslash products. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening, and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. 
Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.